you know, the, the reality is this, is that we will face storms. You can't escape them. You can't pray storms away. Come on. You can't, you can't pray enough that no storms will come your way. You can't uh, wish your storms away. You can't, have, you can't faith your storms away. Storms are going to come. And uh, so the, the, what we talked about last week is I, I want you to imagine with me that you are on a deep sea fishing trip and you are out in the middle of the ocean. You've checked the weather reports. You've done everything you can on your end. The, the forecast is good. And you are planning on being out there for weeks. You get out there, you drop your line, and the next thing you know, you see the clouds turning gray and the storm moving in. No warnings or anything else. And you have the choice at that moment. You can pull anchor, cut anchor, and run, and hopefully run away from the storm and escape it. Or you could anchor deep. And the, the, the reality is, is most, most of us want to want to kind of pull away and run away from the storm. And when the storm hits us and we're not anchored deep, then what happens is whenever the storm passes, we don't know where we're at. We're lost at sea. We're disoriented. And so what God wants us to do is he wants us to anchor deep, that we be people when the storm comes, that we are anchored deep in faith and hope. And then when the storm passes, because the storm will pass. Everybody say that. Say, the storm will pass. But it's not whether or not the storm's going to come or not, because the storm is coming. The question is, where will you be when the storm has passed? Will you still be in the same spot, or will you be lost at sea? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says, Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold out hope, as we hold out to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary, into God's presence. So how we come out on the other side of the storm is determined by how anchored we are. And so the anchors that we're really talking about is faith and hope, as, as we talk about, as the author of Hebrews mentions here. Hey, I want to share a story with you about Jesus. I'm going I'm to try to cut it a little bit short uh, this morning because we're going to come back uh, tonight for a time of worship and ministry. We'll only have you here for about an hour tonight. We'd encourage you to come out. And, man, if you're believing for miracles or you just, man, you just want to give God some gratefulness, whatever it is, we just encourage you to come out. We believe some of those things will happen this morning. But, uh, man, we, we just can't get enough of God's presence. And, um, you know, Jesus, we read in, in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with a few fish and a few loaves of bread, and he's, we've heard the story before. There's probably a little boy there, and, and uh, in this account, a little boy gives his, gives his couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread to Jesus, and the crowd's there, and they're complaining that they're hungry. So Jesus gets this boy's lunch, and he passes it out, and the disciples are there. And the disciples are there encountering this miracle, partnering with Jesus. Come on, are you with me? How many know that they weren't just... They weren't just spectating on the miracle. They were in on it. They were the ones passing out the, back, the baskets. And we know when they got through that they had all this bread and all this fish, more, more than they started off with. They had all this substance that, that Jesus had blessed. And so here they are. And they're, man, can you imagine like seeing a miracle like that? How many of you have ever experienced a miracle in your life? Like something supernatural has happened. Come on. Now, I'm not, you know, it might not be something like someone getting healed, but maybe financial breakthrough, but even little miracles, right? And so how many of you know that whenever that happens, it's, it, 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 we're, we are up on a high, right? It's like, wow, man, this just happened. It's so amazing. So Jesus comes to his disciples. They're stoked. They're all fired up. And he's a, he says, listen, guys, I want you to get in the boat and go to the other side. 
And this kind of ties back to the series that we were on last time about the hunt. How many know that Jesus isn't satisfied with what he just did to you, did in you? He wants to do a little bit more. So there's always, from miracle to miracle, Jesus is always calling us to the other side. So Jesus says, man, guys, this is great, but let's go to the other side of the lake. So you guys get in the boat and head over there because I got more things I want to do, and I want you to be in on it. So why don't you get on the boat, and I'm going to go up to the mountain and pray, and I'll meet you on the other side. Now, the, I'm sure the discussion of the disciples were, man, how's that going to happen? I mean, on the other side, how are we going to get over there? This is kind of weird, Jesus. You know, I mean, we're going to go, but how are you going to get there? And Jesus is like, don't worry about it. You guys just go. So they all pile in the boat. And here we find the story in Matthew chapter 14. Starting verse 22. Immediately after, after Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills to pray to himself. Night fell while he was there alone. And meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. How many of you guys ever saw something that was really awesome, but it kind of freaked you out? So they're like, whoa, that looks just like Jesus. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be scared, don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter, uh, how many times is that in Scripture? Then Peter, right? Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's you, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. He's like, Jesus, I want to do what you're doing. Here you are walking on the water. We know it's you. So, so tell me, Lord, to come out. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. How many know the, the wind and the waves were already there when he got out of the boat? Save me, Lord, he shouted, and Jesus immediately, come on, don't you love the urgency of Jesus? Save me, Lord, and he shouted immediately, even in his weakened faith, right? How many of you guys have ever been there? You should probably be walking, but you're seeking Jesus, immediately reached out his hand and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshipped him. You are really the Son of God, they exclaimed. I want to talk this morning for just a few minutes about storm-walking faith. That we wouldn't be a people that are taken by the storm, but we would actually be a people that can walk on storms, that we can walk in storms, that we can walk through storms. I believe that there are going to be storms in your life. They're going to come your way. But how many know that Jesus isn't calling you to the storm? He's calling you through the storm. How many y'all are with me? And God doesn't want you living. You know, we, we say, well, God, you brought the storm. God's bringing the storm. Listen, God is calling you through the storm. He's not calling you to it. And so many people, you know, they say, well, God would never give me something I can't handle. How many of y'all have ever heard that? And what they're doing is they're quoting Romans that says that God will not tempt you, allow you to be tempted above what you can handle. And so what we say is, well, God will never allow me to go through any difficulty that I can't handle. How many know that that's totally taking that scripture out of context? God isn't, God isn't going to bring you in the storm. The storm came, and then what happened when Jesus got in the boat? 
He rebuked the storm, right? And uh, in the midst of the storm, however, he was with Peter. And we see this. So the reality is the storms will come our way, but we have the power to overcome the storm, whether we are in them or out of them. Come on, are you with me? You have power to overcome the storm. So we're going to talk about storm walking faith. Faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. Faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. Again, God is calling you through the storm. How many know that when God is calling you through the storm, it is not in the comfort of your own boat? When God calls you through the storm, it is in the comfort of his presence. And so many times what we're asking when we're in the storm is say, God, make the storm go away. And what we need to be asking is, Jesus, I want you in the boat. Or Jesus, I want to be out on the water with you. The cry of our heart should never be, God, just make the storm go away. Just make the storm go away. Just make the storm. The, the cry of our heart always needs to be, Jesus, where are you in the storm? This is why we can be grateful in all things. We're, we're not grateful for all things. Are you with me? I'm not grateful for the storm, but in all things, I am grateful. I am grateful that Jesus is there with me. I am grateful that even though there's a storm, that his presence is there to keep me warm. Are you with me? That I'm grateful in the presence of of Jesus. So in order to have that storm walking faith, the first thing that we got to do is we have to shift the what if. Everybody say shift the what if. Come on, shift the what if. Shift the what if. How many know that the, the, the disciples are probably thinking, what if we sink? Peter was the only one that said, what if I could do what Jesus is doing? What if I can really follow him? What if I can be like Jesus? What if I could get out of this boat and walk on the water? He didn't think, what if I get out there and I sink? Because if he thought that, if that's what was dominating his mind, he would have never got out of the boat. It's easy to look at Peter and look at the story and go, oh, Peter, <laughs> what a poor man. If it was me, I would have kept my eyes on Jesus and walked through the storm, right? That's what we think. Oh, how many know that Peter was young? Can you imagine the disciples? What are you doing, Peter? Are you stupid? Right? <laughs> right? Right? What are you, stupid? What are you thinking, Peter? You're going to sink out there. He said, but what if? What if I could walk on the water like Jesus is doing? What if I can be like him? Listen, fear or faith always starts with what if. Your greatest fears or your greatest faith will always say what if. What if the bills aren't paid? right? Fear. But faith says, what if God? What if God? You know, I, I don't know how much faith I have, but I have a big imagination. Those of you that know me for any time, I have a big imagination. Man, I can dream. You know, I can walk into a place. When we, when we first walk into this building, you know, uh, eight months ago, nine months ago, we walked in here, and I, I could dream. Right, and so I'd bring some of my buddies in the building because I have big imagination, and I bring some of my buddies in the building. And say, man, what do you think? You know, do you think we should? We think we should get this place. I mean, it was rough, and they would walk in. They go, 
Well, I'm excited that you're excited, <laughs> right? That's what Pastor Adam told me. He's like, well, I, I said, man, I, it's pretty exciting, huh? And he's like, well, let me tell you what excites me, your excitement. And I was like, because I had the ability to imagine, right? Are you with me? And I had the ability to dream. And I love what Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says. It says, now, unto, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. Listen, God can do great things not because you're so solid, but because you can dream. Because you can go, man, what if God? He that can do more than you can ask or think, one translation says. So whatever you think you think about God or, or, or have a big imagination about God, God can, can blow you away. And he wants to. God wants to blow away your imagination. He didn't want to just, just meet your imagination. Come on, he wants to blow you away. Again, faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. So you've got to shift the what if. Don't just sit around and worry, oh, man, what if this doesn't happen? And what if, what if I don't get a job by then? And what if this, these bills aren't made? And what if my kids turn out this way? What if God will intervene? What if God would do something incredible? So faith always shifts the what if. you got to shift the what if. You can't be thinking negatively anymore. You're in a life of faith. God's calling you to dream a bigger dream, to have higher hopes. Well, I don't want to give my hopes up because I don't want to be crushed. No, you need to have a higher hope. We're going to talk about hope next week. You need to get your hopes up. Well, you just don't know. I don't want to give my hopes up because I've been disappointed so many times. Listen, God will not disappoint you. If you put your hope in him, now, if you put your hope in yourself, that's a different story. But if you put your hope in God, he will never disappoint you. We'll talk a little bit more about hope next week. Number two, number one, shift the what if. Number two, continue in faith. Everybody say continue in faith. Continue in faith. See, everything in the Christian life begins and ends with faith. We kind of have this mentality that thinks, well, if I build up enough faith to get saved, and then I can just kind of work out my, own, my, my salvation by my works. No, you work out your salvation by your faith. Because how many know that our deeds are like filthy rags? Come on, are you with me? So it's not that you can build up enough strength so you can stand on your own. That's never the plan. That's never been God's plan. God's plan has never been to get you solid enough so you can live independently of him. Never. No, he, he wants you to be had that childlike faith of total dependence. The problem with Peter is this. Peter's walking on the water, and he probably got like his, I got this. Right? At first, he's like, Lord, if it's you, I'll come out. And then all of a sudden, he's on the water, and he's like, whoa, whoa, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live or walk by faith, not by sight. It's the way that we live. It's how we function. It's the breath that we breathe. We live a life of faith. So stop staring at the circumstances and the situations around you. Put your faith in God. What happens is when we start doing things according to our own ability, we start doing these things called dead works, right? It's like, what can I do? How powerful am I? How skilled am I? But if you put your faith in Jesus, supernatural power will enter you, enter into you, and you will start a partnership with God. Just like dead faith, uh, dead faith doesn't produce works, right? 
So if you don't have works, it's because you don't have faith. But many times we separate the faith and we do works. Those are called dead works. So now you've got dead faith and dead works. Whereas if you will just put your faith in Jesus, you will function properly. You and you will function with fruit. You know, we, we love to, to, to quote Ephesians chapter 2, right? Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, it's by grace that you are saved, right? Through faith, right? Not by works, lest any man should boast. Did you know in the next verse, it says this, you were created for God, by God for him to do good works. Did you know that you were created for good works? But not good works independently, good works by faith. See, you can do what you can do and then just ask God to bless everything else, or you can be totally dependent upon him. We never function outside of faith. Our trust is always in him. I can do this. I can handle that. That's great. Go ahead and do it on your own. And when the storms come, you'll find yourself sinking. You know, we started studying Abraham a little bit last week, and, in, and this is what Paul says in the book of Galatians concerning Abraham. It says, the scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from a slave wife and the other from a freeborn wife. The freeborn wife was Sarah, right? The son of the slave woman was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. So what happened is Abraham was married, and he was like, God promised me a son. God promised me a son. And how many know the son wasn't showing up? And he was going, man, I've got to do something. And so he talks to his wife, Sarah, and she says, well, take one of my servants and then have a baby with her. You just go ahead and do this. But God didn't promise it through their servants. God promised it through them, through their family. And so what happens is he goes and he strives and his own works produces a child. But it was not the child of promise. It was the child of works. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfilled promise. These two serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai. Works, the law. We talked about that last week. Where people received the law that enslaved him. But we believe in the promise through faith. It starts with faith and it ends with faith. It's a life of faith. You, you, you know, and we, we like to kind of just take a back seat, right? Just like the disciples. Oh, man, that was awesome. I had so much faith in that Jesus is like, let's go to the other side. Right? But how many know that going to the other side requires a storm? And you got to have faith in the storm, just like you had the faith whenever you were passing out the baskets. The storm is coming, but if you want to get into the next level, you got to go through it. It's what God, God's calling us through it. So number one, we shift the what if. Number two, we continue in faith. Number three, we get forged in the word. Everybody say forged in the word. Forged in the word. <laughs> it's great. Forge yourself in the word. Listen, Peter, this whole journey started off like this. Lord, if it's you, call me. Peter put all his stock in this moment upon those two words, call me. Lord, if it's you, I believe it was God's idea. I believe God put that in Peter. I believe right then at that moment, the only reason why he asked Jesus that is because Jesus said, I want to see Peter walk on the water. Peter, don't you want to come walk on the water? I, th I think he was, God was putting that in his heart. And Peter called out to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, call me. The problem is, is when Peter was on the water, he forgot that. He forgot that Jesus called him out the water because we know that if, that if we 
we'll go by what God is calling us to do. We can walk in faith. But when we get out there and we start operating our own strength, that's when we start sinking. So faith started, starts in the Word. It stays in the Word, and it sees the Word function. Faith starts in the Word, stays in the Word, and sees the Word function. He, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So here we see this with Peter. How, how, how did he have that faith? Because he listened. Because he had faith in what God was calling him to. The problem was he didn't continue in the Word. If he would have continued in the Word, he probably would have stayed above the water. So how do we stay in the Word? Do we stay in the Word like what you're doing today through teaching? All right? You don't just listen on Sunday mornings. You need to probably subscribe to a couple of podcasts. You probably need to use, use our website during the week to reflect on the Word. You just get that Word in you. If that's the way that you get the Word in you, that's great. Read those scriptures. Say, I don't know what to read this week. Well, if you don't know what to read this week, then go back to the, to the website, pull up the notes, and start studying the Word of God from there. Take what you've been taught a little bit deeper. But don't just live Sunday to Sunday because if that's the case, you're going to sink. You need it daily. You need the daily bread. So through teaching, also through reading, reading the Scriptures. Man, we've got it so easy today. You can open up a Bible app, and you can have a reading plan to take you through Scripture through the whole year. You can read three chapters a day, or you can read one a day. You can read a verse a day and just soak in it. Maybe you'll take the next month on one verse. Maybe you'll take the next year on one verse. Call me, Lord, and just reflect on the Word of Jesus. So through teaching, through reading, through the voice of God, when God is, how I many you know that Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. You were created to hear the voice of Jesus. This is your lifeblood. This is your bread, not just words on a page. How many of the disciples didn't have the new covenant words on a page? They had to depend on the Holy Spirit to speak to them. Now we have that as a grid and everything goes through that, that filter. Come on, are you with me? And you will learn the voice of God by studying the Scriptures because you'll learn how God speaks. You'll learn His nature. But you, you were created to listen and hear what Jesus says. And when you hear those things, it puts faith in you. And you know, man, nothing will be impossible if I know that this is what God is calling me to do. And the next thing about the Word is that we don't just read it and study it and get it in us, but we also speak the Word. We speak the Word of God. Um, Jesus, who is the Word, right? John chapter 1 says Jesus is the Word. If we, if we will function in that, we see this in Mark chapter 4, that Jesus is sleeping in a boat and a storm comes, right? How many of you, can, you know that you can only sleep in a storm that you have authority over, right? You can only sleep in a storm that you have authority over. So Jesus is sleeping. The storm's coming. The disciples are freaking out. And they're like, Jesus, will you wake up? Jesus, wake up. There's a storm outside. So they wake Jesus up, and he comes out, and he speaks to the storm. Silence, be still. How many know that Jesus, the authority in Jesus, which is the Word, is in you? So you have authority to speak to things and bring forth change. How? By the Word. By the Word. you got to get his Word in you so you can walk with the same authority that you're promised by the Holy Spirit. Come on, are you with me? Y'all all right today? Number one, shift the what if, number two, continue in faith. Number three, get forged, forge yourself in the word. And number four, for faith, and this is more of a point, for faith to be released, 
fear must be faced. For, for faith to be released, fear must be faced. I'm telling you, it's easy to say you have faith until something comes your way. Right? Oh, man, I got so much faith. Right? I remember when I first got saved, I used to say some stupid stuff. Like, I remember, like, threatening the devil. Come on, bring all you got. I got it, you know? <laughs> just funny. I remember just being like that. Thank God that by his power I could demolish anything that the enemy threw at me. And you too, come on. But listen, it's easy to say we have faith whenever there's everything's hunky-dory. Come on. Right? I mean, it's difficult to pack your umbrella when it's sunny outside. Right? But if you're expecting the rain, baby, you better be carrying that umbrella around. Come on. Are you with me? And so Peter had to face his fear. It says that Peter stepped over the boat. He stepped over the boat into the storm, into the place. Listen, how many know that the storm, it, it wasn't dying. Scripture doesn't say, it says the, the storm was attacking them. The waves were high, and Peter got out of the boat. He had to face his fear in order for faith to be released. Some of you, you're dealing with, you know, uh, financial difficulties, and, it, and it's hard sometimes when we're dealing with financial difficulties to be faithful to God in our tithes or our offerings, and so we don't. We hold back because we're afraid, well, if I give up, if, if I trust God with that, if I'm generous right now, then I won't have any money left, Right? A year ago, Leslie and I were kind of in that situation where, man, what are we supposed to do? We feel like God's calling us to give more every month. And so we launched out and we did that. We, and we did it. And then God met us. And then immediately, immediately, look back, immediately our finances increased. And we were just blown away. So many people focus on the doubt of Peter. But his faith is greater than all the others in the boat. Why? Because he's willing to face his fear. Are you willing to face the thing that's keeping you back? It's hard to step out. It's hard to step out sometimes. But that's where, that's where the rubber meets the road with faith. When it's something we don't want to do, come on, when it's something that's difficult to do, that's so hard. I know that I should invite them to church, but what if they say no? Face your fears. I know that I should lay hands and pray for that sick person at work, but what if they don't get healed? What if they do? That's right. Then you prayed for them. But we don't talk about the what if. No. We think the what if. Why? Because we serve a God of the what if. We serve a God that says, what if they get healed? What if revival breaks out at your workplace? Well, then I might lose my job. Fear. Maybe you'll take over the company. Maybe the boss will get saved and you get a promotion. What if that happens? How much does fear dictate our life versus faith? Come on. This is Abraham right here, Genesis chapter 12. It says, the Lord had said to Abraham this, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. Listen, exercising faith is always uncomfortable. It's always uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable to get out of the boat that day. Abraham, God promised him all this, but what did he say? You're going to have to leave the comfort of where you're living. You're going to have to go live in a tent for a long time. But I'm promising you this, but if you want the promise, you've got to move out in faith. 
Oh, it's so hard. Lord, wouldn't it just be easy if I could just sit here and eat Twinkies all week? Right? Look, I've got this big palace I built. Really, God, you wouldn't want me to leave this. Sure he would, because he's calling you to something greater. But there's a process of going through and dealing with your fears to bring you into the next level of life, to take you to the other side. There's got to be the faith to be willing to get in the boat and endure the storm, go through the storm, focus on Jesus, get through it, and you'll be on the other side. Leave your country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. How many of you know that he didn't have a map that showed him the land? He didn't have pictures, you know, oh, look here. It's the, it's the promised land. If you're going to go here. He didn't have a commercial, right, with if you order within the next 30 minutes, you'll get this also. He didn't have any of that. Come on, he didn't have Travelocity to look at the pictures of the rooms, what it was going to be like. He had none of that. He just heard, go to the land, I'll show you. Like, go. Uh, uh. Everybody's like, oh, Abraham, his faith, his faith. Look what he, look at his obedience. Faith says, okay, I'll face my fear. I'll go because you said. For faith to be released, fear must be faced. Let me just say this. Some of you, you say, man, I'm just not there yet, right? Uh, and I, you know, we'll probably be telling this story till we die. But, you know, two years ago, we were like, God was definitely calling us to plant a church. And I was, I was freaking out. I was like, man, I don't know, God. <laughs> I mean, you want us to plant a church. I mean, couldn't we get into like a nice, cushy position of a church already running some people and there ought to be a paycheck? I mean, I've been, been doing ministry for 20 years. Someone else is signing my paycheck. I'm going to go. And who knows if there's going to be any people there. I don't even know what I'm going to do for money. Like, what, what's going to happen? Man, God, I'm freaking out. I mean, really? I mean, I got like, I got like two kids and one on the way, and what's going on? I'm freaking out. I'm like, God, I, I believe, but you got to help my unbelief. I believe you, but uh, I don't know. Very weak in faith. And I'm reminded of that story during the season of, of Mark chapter 9 where there was this man, and he had a son that was demonized. And the disciples tried praying for him, and nothing happened. And so this, they bring the, the demonized boy to Jesus. They're like, Lord, we tried. We pray for him. And so Jesus is there with the dad, and this kid that's got demons, and Jesus is like, do you believe? And this is what the dad said. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so many times we think that we have to have this pinnacle of faith before we move out. Listen, God just wants you to move out with the level of faith that you have. Wherever it is, whether it's immature and weak faith, it doesn't matter if it's weak or strong. It just matters that it's genuine. So he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus didn't rebuke him like he did many times in Scripture. Go, you unbelieving person. No, he said, well, I can work with that. I can work with that little bit of faith that you have. Let me help your unbelief. And what does he do? He heals the kid's son. I believe it's the same way. It's not so much about you being strong in faith as much as it is, it is as you being on God. Kind of believe, but you got to help me where I don't believe, and God will take that. One of the things that Jesus said to Peter in this moment, he didn't say, You have no faith. He said, Why you have little faith? He didn't say, You don't have any faith, because he knew that Peter had faith, right, to get out of the boat. Listen, faith isn't denying the need. 
for an encounter. And sometimes we think, man, when I get enough faith, I won't need, I won't need moments, you know, in church where God comes and reveals. I won't need that anymore. I'll just, I'll be so solid. No, 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 no. Faith says I need an encounter. See, we're doing this thing like we're doing tonight, this reality night. We're doing this because we need to encounter the presence of Jesus. Why? Because that is where our strength comes from. Our strength comes from Jesus, the, the presence of God. This is what I'm going after. I'm going to spend the rest of my life pursuing the presence of Jesus. I'm not just trying to build my faith. I am trying to have faith in Jesus. I'm trying to have a greater encounter with him because it's really all about Jesus. Faith is active trust in the one who gives the encounters. Listen, did you know that you were never meant to live with the intangible? So many times we preach these scriptures, we're like, man, you just got to have faith. Other words, you're not going to feel anything. Nothing good's going to happen. It's going to be really difficult. And you just got to stand back and just believe and be solid. Go ahead. Good luck with that. Because for me, that doesn't work. For me, I need the encounter. The difference is this. I'm not placing faith in myself. I'm placing faith in him. So here we were, rewind, two years ago, praying. I'm like, man, God, I need a little bit more. And so what, what helped my unbelief? So we, we, we come out here, start looking for houses, and within two days, we heard three people confirm. They said, well, if I was going to start a church today, I started in my home. That's exactly what we did. That was exactly what was on our heart. Two people we never met before, and then a lady has a dream and then tells us about the same thing, that, that meeting in your home over a meal, all this kind of stuff, confirming all the things that God had put in our heart. So Jesus responded to a weak faith that was well-placed. Because I'm mowing the yard at our house the last time. We, our house sold in like 24 hours, which in Amarillo is like crazy. I mean, God was like helping my unbelief. And so I'm mowing the yard for the last time, and I'm mowing, and for some reason, God always speaks to me, and I'm mowing, and I'm like, and I was repenting. I was like, Lord, I'm so sorry for, you know, doubting and, and not having, and he said, Josh, you were believing me, because all the things that I was saying was, God, I don't know that I could do this. What if we go out there and the bills aren't paid for? You are placing faith in yourself when you said that. But in reality, you were placing your faith in me because you were saying, God, I can't do it. I need you to help me. This is what faith is. It's trusting Jesus. It's not your ability to stand on your own. It's your ability to go to him. That's what faith is. Listen, you were created, recreated to experience miracles and the glory of God on the earth. We were created for this. We were created to be portals of heaven on the earth. Just like the disciples in Acts chapter 2, Acts you know, the whole book of Acts, just like those disciples were experiencing miracles, signs, and wonders, you were recreated to experience those same things. But will you live without it? Or will you say faith and say, Jesus, I won't live without it. you got to come. Are you all right today? So, number five, which really goes with this last point, is focus on his faithfulness. Everybody say his faithfulness. His faithfulness. Jesus told Peter this, why did you doubt me? Are you guys with me? He didn't say, Peter, why did you doubt yourself? He said, why did you doubt me? 
Because what happened is here was Peter trusting the voice of Jesus, trusting to do what Jesus was calling him to, trusting Jesus to bring him to his presence. And he says this, why did you trust, why did you, why did you lack trust in me? The problem is, is Peter forgot who was standing before him, and he started looking at the storm. Listen, faith is always well-placed in his faithfulness. It's not how good you are, how good of a steward you are, how disciplined you are this week. It always begins and ends with faith. It's always focused on Jesus and his goodness and his faithfulness. This is well-placed faith. God, you're good. I know you're going to take care of me because of your goodness, not because I've done so many good things to build up my walk with the Lord that I have faith in you. No, 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 no. Jesus, I can't do any of this. You've got to come. You've got to bring the tangible. It is in Jesus. It's not in our ability to walk on the water. How do you know that Peter could not walk on the water? His faith had to be placed in Jesus. So when he slipped, that's what Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? Not why do you doubt yourself. We got so much of this garbage in the world telling you, just believe in yourself. Mariah told us one day, if you believe in yourself, you can do anything. I was like, really? So grow wings right now, believe in yourself, and fly to the moon. I didn't tell her that, but something ridiculous. Oh, I couldn't. Right. But if God called you to do that, you could. Because he would also give you the power. Listen, this whole believe in yourself garbage is just garbage. You don't need to believe in yourself. You need to trust in Jesus and trust in him and trust in what he's calling you to do. And keep your mind focused on him, and he'll bring you through the storm. It's not how solid you are or how faithful you are. It's rooted in how unwavering our God is. Jesus is constant, steady, and unchanging. And if our trust is in the unshakable, steady, and unwavering God, then our faith won't be unshaken when the storms come. But we must have our faith in the right place. It's not in you. It's not in your ability. You want to come on up. It's not in your strength. It's in Jesus. We place faith in him. Are you guys with me? Our faith is, it's all, a, it's all a measure of trust. See, right now, you're placing 100% confidence in the chair that you're sitting in. You didn't even think about it. And you're, you've been functioning, you've been sitting there, right? You've been listening, or you've been texting, or whatever it is that you're doing there. You've just been sitting there, not even thinking about it. Complete and total dependence. This is, it's not the faith that you need to stand on your own. It's the faith that you need to trust it's a placement of trust. Check this out. When we're going through the difficulties, it's all about a placement of trust. It's not about, oh, man, I can get through this. Listen, you can't. I'll just be real with you. You can't. But Jesus will call you to himself in the midst of the storm. And he will calm the storm. And he'll calm you. And he'll bring peace. And he'll bring joy, and he'll bring everything that he needs. And it's not so much, and this is what we do, is we focus on what we're going to get on the other side, and we don't focus on who we're going to be on the other side. And so what he's doing is he's working in us, just that we'd be a little bit more dependent upon our daddy. I love this Psalm 121. David says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord 
the maker of heaven and earth, and he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep, but the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life, and the Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forever. God is watching over you. He's taking care of you. So what do you need to do? Just keep your eyes on Jesus. We just keep our eyes on Him. We just keep our focus on Him. We're not, we're not focused upon the tribulations at work or in our family or on the difficulties or the storm raging around us. We're just focused on Him and who He is and His presence and placing our trust in what He said and what He's saying and what He's calling us through. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep His promises. 